Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Um, I am just completely delighted to be joined today by Lori Handlers. Um, she is a sex and happiness coach, um, as well as an author of an Amazon international best-selling book um, called Sex and Happiness, um, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. Lori, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kaylin. It's so great to be here. Thank you for pursuing me and getting to this show. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, when I when I have a desire, I really, you know, I go after it. Uh, so some, sometimes great. I chase people down and uh, it's always the best. So great. I'm thank so you. happy to have you. Um, so I, gosh, what do I want to tell my audience? Well, okay. So here's what I want y'all to know. I met Lori probably, I don't know if it, maybe three or four years ago, um, at a workshop in Portland, Oregon. So I've only met Lori once, but I will just net. And the workshop, by the way, was, um, her workshop. She teaches with Om Rupani, um, Tantra BDSM. Exactly. She, she holds the, uh, the Tantra portion of that. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I loved the weekend and it's, it was really like my entry point, um, into, you know, a deeper sexual relationship with myself, quite frankly. That's great. Um, and, uh, and I just, I remember meeting you Lori and thinking, wow, okay, this woman is a firecracker and I, do, I don't even know if you shared with us how old, how old you were at the time. Um, but you know, the way that you spoke about your life, I was like, okay, this woman has some years on her. And I just thought, oh my gosh, whenever I am her age, I would love to emulate her. Hell, I'd love to emulate her right now in this Thank moment. You. Thank <laughs> you for that. Well, first I want to tell you that there's a secret to saying not years old. You could Ooh. say, this is how many years I have. Oh, yeah. So then, uh, you take old out of the time. There's a lot of things. Like okay. I'm into this. We didn't even talk about this ahead of time, but yeah. I'm into super longevity, which means radical life extension. And um, in order to have radical life extension, we have to take out some of the paradigm that we were handed by mm -hmm. the culture and the language. So mm -hmm. part of it is like when you say, how old are you? Well, if you don't want to be old, then you have to say, I have this many years instead of I'm this old. And that's just one thing. But I mean, there's a lot of things like this no, cheesecake I... is to die for. No, I'm not dying for any cheesecake. <laughs> I'm actually living 
for cheesecake. I'm, I don't knock people dead. I knock them alive and so mm-hmm. on. I've just rephrased a lot of things in the, in the culture, in the, in the, uh, there's a word I'm looking for. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it's languaging, yeah, la- languaging frames our experience often. And so if the language is, languaging is negative or it's giving us a frame, you did one taste, right? So you know what frame yeah, is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So if it's giving us a frame that we don't want. It's really important to say no. So I'm, I have 73 years. <laughs> listen to this people she has 73 years oh my gosh yeah. I I love that well and it's interesting because you know in other languages that yeah. is you know like I'm thinking in Spanish that's how you, it's like you say I have you know 36 years old yeah but you don't say but you don't say old you don't say right, you don't say old right you just said i have 36 or, years yeah yeah you don't say that you say mm-hmm. i have this many years i have this so many it's really important to even it doesn't matter what somebody's saying to me i it's really important for me to say back the way i want it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah. people pay me a compliment which isn't a compliment i someone once told me that she wanted me to be her tantra grandma and i said well <laughs> I know you think that's a compliment, but it isn't. I'm yeah. not a grandma. I don't have grandchildren. I never wanted that. And I'm not your tantra grandma and I'm not a grandma. So if you want to be just like me when you grow up, that's fine. <laughs> totally. <laughs> don't say that to me. So now I just tell people, don't say this to me. Don't, you know, if I have a group of 60 people that I'm teaching in that moment, I say when, when it comes time for completions and expressing gratitudes and stuff I say to people don't say this to me Mm. you can say this or this or this but don't say this and then they go oh thanks thanks yeah because I want just what you say in terms of desire right I want it the way I want it Mm mm-hmm Lori (laughs) ah this is a hot conversation already It it is Well, um, so for those of you who are listening, I think, I mean, there's so much that that we can dive into here today uh, with Lori. So I want to spend a little bit of time just, you know, understanding your story, Lori. Um, And then I know that you're doing a lot of work right now um, with your partner, Michael, around, you know, couples. Uh, You've got a new book coming out. And so we'll just, uh, we'll sort of see see where the conversation takes us. And um, and just get the gold along the way. Um, Well, so how did we get here? (laughs) It's a weird weird story. um, And I will encapsulate it because it could get really long. It could be the whole time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I was was supposed to be a school teacher. Mm. And that didn't last very long. And then um, I went into corporate training. So I was a corporate trainer and organization development consultant, which means I taught organizations how to keep their employees happy. I taught management how to interview people and how to promote them and how to fire them if they needed to and all that. Everything was communication skills. That was really important to me. Communication was like the utmost of importance to me. So I made a career of that. And um, then 
I was doing, I got government contracts. So during the Bill Clinton era, I got government contracts and I was doing welfare to work work. I was helping people who were on the welfare rolls get off of welfare mm-hmm. because Clinton gave them a certain amount of time before they weren't going to be able to collect welfare anymore. And I worked with people all over the country. I worked for the feds. I worked for state governments and I worked for city governments. And I had a, I had 15 employees and it was crazy. And, um, but it was good. I was really successful. And the people that I got off of welfare, like they probably are still working. They probably are still successfully working because mm. I didn't teach them skills. I didn't teach them how to answer the phone and type. I taught them how to have ethics of work, going mm. to work and having a job container and what you do in that to be successful, no matter how poor you are, no matter if you just got off a crack yesterday, like it doesn't matter. Like if you do these, you follow this and you look like this and you be this way, even if they whisper behind your back that you were just on welfare, you -hmm. could be successful. And so that's what I taught them. Very powerful stuff. And that, and I was taking Tantra classes. I had found a Tantra teacher in 1996 and I was taking my first set of Tantra classes. I was in a teacher training program, et cetera. And I was thinking, this is what I'm going to do next. But I didn't know when I was going to start. And um, George W. Bush got elected. And all of those contracts, I think in 2000, he probably got elected in 1999 and took office in January 2000, something like that. I might have the date wrong. Anyway, when he got elected, all those contracts went to what's called faith-based organizations. Like, that's a church. Guess what? I don't own a church. I'm not owning a church. I'm not even into religion. So what was I, you know, where was I going to turn? All the money that was coming into my pocket went out Mm. in one swoop. And so I, I said to myself, okay. I'm studying to be a Tantra teacher. I'm just going to, instead of doing it just every two months or three months doing a weekend, I'm going to become a full-time Tantra teacher because sex always sells. And I'm not going to let any government determine whether I am going to make a living or not. And so I just hung out a shingle and said, that's it. I'm a sex educator. I'm a Tantra teacher and I'm doing this. And that was. I think wow. we incorporated in 1999, 2000, and we started doing full-time Tantra work. I went into competition with my teacher because we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on anything. And that I never looked back. I mean, I was, what happened, one of the corporations I worked for was Landmark Education and that's mm-hmm. the Landmark Forum. And all those people that knew me from being really successful at Landmark, they were all like, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Landmark doesn't have anything. Listen, I, I love me some Landmark, uh, but it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very heady. It's, it's very heady and it's very dry over there. So um, I, yeah. I totally, totally get you. Yeah. Uh, the like, of course people were like, wait a minute. I thought I stepped into my personal power, but what's going on with my sex? Right. 
So it was really funny. I mean, I was on the, I was on the Wisdom Course cruise in 1997, and everyone was looking at me because they all knew me. I mean, all these people knew me from right. all over the country, and they said, "I don't know what you're doing, but it's good. It's really good. Like you're so juicy. Like what's <laughs> happening?" And I quit Landmark in 1996. That's when I went into yeah. the government contracting, and um, and then I was in the I, I was in the partnership course in LA, and you had to. There was one weekend where you had to enroll your whole row into something. And so they wanted you to enroll people into something landmark. I yeah. stood up, I went, I enrolled my whole row. And they said, you know, and I had been enrollment manager. So it wasn't, yeah. I went this whole row, I enrolled them. And they said, what did you enroll them into? And I said, Tantra. <laughs> they weren't that happy about that, but that row was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I started. It was it was all George's fault. And it was he did no matter who voted for who he did one good thing. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, and I just I just love that the like going all in and feeling like the truth of where your life wanted to go. Yeah. You know, like at a certain point, it was just no longer going to be really an integrity for for what your soul wanted that's correct and but I see I knew that before I found Tantra I just didn't know how to find it it was like it was it was it was hidden from me until it wasn't like I knew about it in 1986 I had read an article by Margot about Margot Anand but there was no internet then I didn't know how to find her so when this course came, someone from Landmark, when I left Landmark said to me, you know, you should do this course and it's coming to, I lived in DC. You should do this course. It's coming to Rockville, Maryland. It's called um, Bliss. It's a three-day tantra course. And I went, just like my inside went, yes. Yes, that's me. And then I, the, in the first day in the course, this I said, oh, this is my life. Mm. This mm-hmm. is totally my life. So that's how it happened. And then, you know, I was already a teacher. I was already a trainer. <laughs> yeah. I, was already, I did all that. I already was, I was in enroll. I was the top enrollment manager in the world at Landmark. So it was like, I knew how to enroll people, register people. I knew how to yeah. teach people. I knew how to design courses. I knew how to train them. I knew the difference between you know, adult education and children education. So it was just like, yeah. Oh my boom. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, we, we share this, uh, we share this bond. I, I haven't done that much landmark, but I, uh, I was trained in an ontological program called accomplishment coaching, which is actually like this podcast is produced through their um, wow. media arm. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for everything that on the, the foundation that ontology gave me to be able yeah. to do this work because the same thing it's like enrollment skills you know integrity all of that stuff right it's like it's the foundation and then I got to you know like you I sort of opened this this door to my sexuality and realized like oh okay this is the thing I've been seeking yeah, I remember who I am now. Yeah, you know, yeah. So that's great. And ontology has to do also with what I said earlier about saying, not saying this many years old. 
Like right. I'm talking yeah. to with the language and meaning and the way we use words and the way we frame our experience right. based on the words that we use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I I love that. Oh, I did not realize that you that you had um I know you had mentioned landmark at several points throughout that weekend, but I did not realize how deep you had gone in it. And I just Oh yeah. 19, 20 <laughs> years. A long time. Yeah. I a love that. Time. Well, for me, it was the best act in town until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I still refer people to it, but I, you know, I'm on the do not call list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I catch. <call> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm I'm busy over here doing right. my contra. Right. But I mean, I still tell people, people say to me, should I do the landmark form? And I go, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. I, the same. I recommend it to people. Well, um, so what do you remember from like your early explorations of Tantra? Like, what was the thing that um like that you just felt like, whoa, like, and just really opened your eyes. Two things. Day one in the first course I ever took was um, I got back in touch with being in a female body. Mm So in Landmark, I put my sexuality into my desk drawer because I wasn't Mm -hmm. supposed to use sexuality for enrollment. I wasn't supposed to use sexual prowess or sexual charm or whatever we weren't supposed to do that and I was I had been I don't want to go into the story but I mm-hmm. had been um somewhat humiliated for that now what I know about that is that is my power but yeah I was in denial about that I really didn't know mm-hmm. and um so I remembered who I was not as a drill sergeant but as a woman and that was mm. very um I cried a lot Mm-hmm. When I got back in touch with, uh, oh, I could be feminine. I could be female. I could have feminine qualities and I should, and it's good. And I will. Mm. That was the one. And the other thing was I got in some meditation we did, I got in touch with being connected to everything. Like as if I was a drop of water in the ocean. Mm. like being a sentient being on the planet that feels and senses everything that everything on the planet senses and feels that was very profound for me. And I just knew that that was, I mean, Mm. that was it. It was just like, no turning back. I'm going all the way. Mm. And that's pretty much how I am about anything that I'm into. I don't half-ass anything. I (laughs) I can't be bothered. I, I'm clear. I'm clear about yeah. that, Lori. <laughs> well, and I'm just thinking like at this point, right? You're probably, you were in your mid forties, sort of. I was 46. Okay. Actually. Yeah. I was 46. Yeah. So I didn't even find this stuff until I was almost 50 and people go, you know, oh, I'm so old. That's like going back to the first conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're not. What are you talking about? It take like to be 20 and mm-hmm. have Tantra, that would have changed my life actually if I had had Tantra when I was 21, but I didn't. Besides which I needed a fair amount of life experience to show me, you know, that what I wanted and that what I didn't want. Like I, mm-hmm. I, like I had discernment coming from years of being 
that I don't think I would have had at 20. Right. So I would have liked to have had the information, but, and I, if I had known my body was a temple, say, between 20 and 40, I definitely wouldn't have had the crazy amount of sex that I had with people that I really didn't care about. Um, mm. You know, I didn't know how to manage sexual energy. Nobody, I mean, who who teaches you that? So I didn't know anything about that. I was pretty much on my own. And um, yeah, you know, well, it's just, I mean, it's amazing, you know, like starting a journey like this at, you know, mid forties. I, I, that's another reason why I just love your story so much. And you're, um, you're just such walking proof that like sex can just get better with age. I mean, I told like I'm 36, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I really get this feeling that I am like a good 15, 20 years from my sexual prime, you know, like the world would look at me and be like, oh, this is a woman who's in her sexual prime. And now I, that I know what's possible in my body, I'm like, I just have years and years of practice ahead of me. Right. <laughs> exactly. Look, you know? I met my partner when I met Michael, I was 68, you oh know, and I God. never thought, I never thought I was going to meet somebody who met me. And I met him. Uh, I actually I met him at a party, but then we re-met at a one taste event and they put him on the hot seat and they said to him, what do you want? And he said, well, I believe there's a goddess in every woman and I, that's who I want to meet. And so I raised my hand and I said. Did you ever tell anyone this? And he said, no. And I said, hmm. And so I, at the end of the event, I went up to we didn't like each other at the party. We there was no chemistry. <laughs> At the end of this event, I went up to him and I said, we should have a drink. We should have a glass of wine right now. And he's like, why? And I said, I am the goddess. (laughs) I wasn't going to let that slip by, you know, like that was too good of a, that was like a cue that made everything inside of me, you know, move. And Mm. so I said to him, I'm the goddess. I, you know, we had, then we did like the, you know, we had the first five minutes of vetting each other. Well, I did Lamarck, I did Lamarck, I did uh, I did one taste. Well, oh, I'd like to do one taste. Well, I did this. Well, I, uh, and we did all these things. And, and then he said to me, should we date? And I said, yeah, I think we should. And that's, that's how we met. And I never, I mean, I just, it wasn't like I wasn't, I was definitely looking. I was always looking for somebody to meet me, but no one ever did really. And he mm-hmm. really, he really meets me. That was six and a half years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is. Because, they, because it was a turn on and they put him on the hot seat. <laughs> so. And for the, for my listeners who don't know what we're talking about, One Taste is, uh, is, is the organization um, that, that trained us in orgasmic meditation. Right. And a turn on event is uh it's, it's, it's basically, you know, a bunch of people just putting focused attention onto one person and just practicing, asking, um, interested, interested questions to sort of bring out the truth. It's kind of an enrollment event though. Mm -hmm. It's really an enrollment event. It'd be like an introduction forum, but right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He, I was helping the people who came to Phoenix to set up a chapter in Phoenix and I just happened to be there helping them. And he showed up 
I said, didn't I meet you at the party the other night? And he said, oh yeah. We both went, oh yeah. And oh, then, yeah. and then he was in the hot seat and he said that. And I went, oh, oh, I got to rethink this guy. Yeah. And so what is your, um, what is your relationship like? It's amazing. First of all, it's, we don't call it a relationship. Here we go with ontology. We call it relating a verb. Mm. We relate. Mm-hmm. We don't ship. So mm-hmm. we don't build a thing with a moat around it. And then we make, and then it's us against the world and our thing. We don't build the thing. We just relate to each other and we dissolve it whenever we think it's a ship. We, we call mm-hmm. it sinking the ship. So we sink the ship of relationship every time we think it's a thing that mm-hmm. we can't breathe in. And then um, we start relating again. We have practices that uh, give us an ability to confront. We have practices for um, sacred sexuality. We practice this thing I teach called Lati Han, which I think mm-hmm. you had a small experience of in Portland where we move in the unknown. So when we make love, we don't make love in any prescribed way. We always go into Latihan space, make, meaning we we just move in the unknown and see what ha- what arises. Mm. There's no agenda. We have excellent communication. We call each other out on whatever. Um, he <clears throat> he. Besides landmark and sci seminars. He also was, he's done every course that Alison Armstrong has. Some people may know her as um, mm. the Queen's Code and um, Understanding Men. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the first time we ever had a confrontation, <laughs> I hung up on him. I was so mad. I said to him, I'm a mature adult. I know how to deal with my emotions. I'll do some emotional release, but I'm really mad right now. So I'm hanging up. And um, the next day he called me. I went home. I did emotional release. I was in the car talking to him on, on the car and I didn't like, he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't present. Mm-hmm. So it's like, not present. I'm hanging up. I'm pissed off. You told me to call you and you're not even like paying attention. And the next day he called me and he said, uh, I apologized for not being emotionally available to, to be in a conversation with you last night. Mm-hmm. And I went, who trained you? <laughs> I said, no one has ever called me and said that. No man in my life has ever called me and took responsibility for not being emotionally available on a call. I said, you are trained by someone. And he said, yes, Alison Armstrong. And I said, well, I want to call her. I want her on my podcast. That was amazing. <laughs> oh my god you are trained (laughs) you are trained wow what was it like to receive that it was so great I was just like so I was so caught off guard I was so not expecting that it was it was such a gift Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it's been like that ever since. I mean, we have amazing communication. We rarely have a snit, you know, like really, I'm there's there's not even a hiccup. Mm. And we don't believe in fighting. That's par- part of our couple's work. We have a course called Extraordinary Lovers. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and we're also writing the book. We're like we're six chapters into a thirteen chapter book called Extraordinary Lovers, and um, we teach people how to actually love themselves enough to love the other, and to not stuff it, like mm-hmm. to not decide oh, I'm not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. And then start stuffing it and build resentment. We teach people how to love themselves, how to love the other, and then how to manifest from that love what it is that they desire. And we teach them how we say that fighting is ordinary. Mm. And uh, the way we communicate is extraordinary. Mm. And we also say that, um, <laughs> you know, how people, you know, how people, when they like, they withhold from each other. They withhold right. communication. They withhold uh, sex. Yeah. They withhold love. And we say that extraordinary love is love in which I choose to produce oxytocin in my partner, no matter what. Because mm. oxytocin is what makes you feel love. Mm-hmm. And so it's chemistry. So it's like, if I know that it's chemistry, why would I withhold that from this person? Choosing to produce oxytocin no matter what. Exactly. It's Yeah. So that's what's extraordinary. And how are you going to do that when you feel mad? How are you going to do that when you feel they bought you the wrong birthday? They forgot your birthday. Well, how are you going to? So we say, you know, you have to say everything and Mm -hmm. you have to face everything, avoid nothing. And so our course is amazing. It changes people's lives. Also, it gets people re- um, reconnected to their sexuality because a lot of times we also teach people about keeping the spark alive Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people come together and then they neutralize each other right they lose their they lose their polarity they lose their pheromones they lose their edge and then they're like oh duh well we love each other but we're just like best friends now we go to the movies but we don't have sex there's no turn on Totally. Okay. So there are two really juicy topics here that are emerging. So I want to focus. <laughs> I'm like, There's so many places we can go, but I want to focus on these two things here for a minute. Mm. So um, what you said about really like, uh, I forget the words you said, but you know, keeping the pipes clean, right? right. Um, what are some practices that you practice in your relationship and that you give to couples around saying the truth? And, and and like clearing resentments on a regular basis. We t- we give them a whole formula. First of all, we make we do something called a bubble. We make a bubble. I don't know if I taught that in that course, but we do a bubble, yeah. which doesn't come from me. It comes from Margot Anand. So we teach them how to make a bubble and create sacred space. Once they create sacred space, then we teach them a formula for how, for how to, you know, how to say it how to receive it, and then what to do. We give them the whole formula. I can't, I literally can't teach the whole uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. thing here in this moment, but we have a formula for doing it. It's not that difficult, but people have to do it. It's a practice. It's like yoga. Yeah. You know, this is like yoga for couples. And we don't care if people are in throuples or if they're in quadruples. We don't really, we don't care what their lifestyle choice is in terms of 
polyamory, open relating, monogamy. We don't care if it's same sex couples. We don't care. We don't care. We just care that people learn some practices and then they do the practices just like they would do yoga. Mm -hmm. Just like they would exercise that muscle, you know, then they exercise this muscle. So we have them create sacred space inside the sacred space. We have them have a conversation. We also have people create sacred space before they would make love. We do it every time. Mm. And then inside that we do Lottie Han, which is the practice that I teach people to, to move in the unknown. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of lovers who were like one trick ponies. Like they do the same thing over and over. I'm like, like, that worked last time. So let's retry. Right. Like I just want to kill them, you know, like I I don't, that is so boring to me. So I, you know, I've just, I said to Michael when we met and after we first made love, I said to him, where did you, like, where did you learn to touch a woman? Like no one's ever touched me the way you touch me. Like you like touch me like I'm alive, like mm. I'm real, like I'm flesh. You don't touch me like I'm a China doll and you don't try to do a technique on me. And he said to me, you know, I Googled it. What? He said, I'm a nerd. I Googled it. And I said, well, you did good. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I said because I, I think no one's is- ever touched me like that. Yeah, I think this is a really important point, though, and something I want my listeners to hear is that it's not great sex is not about a or or intimacy. It's not about a certain position or a technique. It's like how what how is your attention and your presence? Yes, that is the only thing that matters. Everything else will come from that. Yes. So we also teach um, men in particular how to read women's women's bodies. Mm. Like what is the body saying it wants now? And what is the body saying it wants now? And what is the body saying it wants now? And don't try to slip one of your little techniques in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is her system going fast or slow? Is it going up or down? Right. There's like, right. Really- exactly. So, I mean, that's that's basically what we teach in Extraordinary Lovers. And we've seen people just like, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I we've had some couples where they were together for a while and the, and the wife wants to kill the husband. <laughs> kill, like strangle, you know, like said, strangle no. straight yeah, up. We strangle. Said, no, you, you know, we can save you. Yeah, it's. And I, I love this, um, the, <laughs> like the practice of yeah. creating a sacred space. Um, yeah. Would you be willing to share like some of the practices that you take on in order to create a sacred space in your lovemaking? Yeah, I can show, I can actually show you the bubble, but it looks better when I'm, when we're both doing it, but I could show oh, you. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So we, we first, we make eye contact and when I say eye contact, it's left eye. To, mm-hmm. to the other person's left eye because left mm-hmm. is the receptive side and then we make a bow mm-hmm. you know like namaste mm-hmm. and then we breathe up and then we go left goes forward right then goes mm-hmm. forward then we go around ourselves, and then we go around the other so we make mm-hmm. a complete bubble around ourselves and around the other so that we're encapsulated into an 
energetic bubble. Mm. And then once we're in that bubble, we either have a hard conversation. Maybe we have a conversation for planning. You know, like there could be many conversations that take place in a sacred space. Um, mm-hmm. and, or we say, okay, desires, fears, and boundaries. Mm-hmm. For this session of time, what are your desires? What are your fears? And what are your boundaries? And one of us asks the other, and then the other asks the other, and then we say, Mm-hmm. And and then we then we go okay. okay, and so if something needs to be redirected or negotiated, like he might say something he wants to do that I don't want to. He might say like I want to go have sex in the pool, and neither of us really like that. I have a big beautiful pool, but neither of us really like sex in the water like that. But occasionally, like he might say that, and I might go. Mm-hmm. let's start in the pool and let's let's move into the house yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so you know but we but we were in a space where we can negotiate that and feel right. okay about it. yeah yeah well I love this it's such a you know it's such a beautiful example of just the power of a container you know and just creating the space to to just have the dialogue and it can be quick you know it's not it doesn't have to be a whole production but just the like pausing um, to check in well you know most people have it i just realized i better plug my computer in most people have it that whoops that made a big boom um most people have it that it's okay to make a business meeting, you know, like they have business meetings with people when they're, when they're in business and that's really important, but they don't see the same thing about their relationship. They think mm-hmm. that their relationship should be spontaneous. And I think that's bull. <laughs> I just, I call bullshit on that. Like, <laughs> I think that's, I think that your relationship is more important than mm-hmm. your business relationships or equally as important and I think that we have to set meetings and then inside the meeting we have to make it we have to do Mm -hmm. ritual to get the rest of the stuff we're thinking about out Mm -hmm. out of the way yep I love that um excuse me I want to go back um, to something else you said um, which is the conversation around polarity. Um, and I'd love to hear, you know, sort of what, what you teach around this and, you know, how you help couples keep it hot, quite frankly. Yeah, we have a lot of ways. Um, the biggest, I'll just say the biggest way is to have alone time, Mm. time where we miss and Michael calls it the gift of missing. So I, when we first came together, I mean, I was traveling like a banshee. I still, I mean, COVID changed that. I'm starting up again though. So I remember I was away for five weeks and he said to me, you know, if you don't keep, it was a tip. Now someone else might've taken it personally, but he, I didn't, he said, 
I said, I, the first place I went was Costa Rica right after we met. And I sent him a picture of where I was and the parrots and whatever. Mm -hmm. And he said, thank you for sending this to me. If I don't have you current in my awareness, I'll forget. Mm. And um, like, it hit me like, is this guy arrogant? Or is he really giving me a tip? Mm. And then I realized it was a tip. It was like, oh, I have to do things when I'm away to keep it hot, but it's good that I'm away. Like there's something wonderful about coming back together when we. So one of the things is taking time off, you know, mm -hmm. time for time for ourselves. And the second thing, and this is the biggest thing. And, you know, there's many more things, but this is the biggest thing. And that is that we. We now live together. We were never going to live together, but COVID changed that because his landlady raised his rent. So we were bragging about how we were never going to live together. And that was really good. We only lived four minutes away from each other. But now we live together and we have separate rooms. Yes. We sleep separately. Mm -hmm. So I sleep in my own pheromones. He sleeps in his own pheromones. And then we have, you know, we crawl into each other's bed in the morning or we have you know, or we plan a date for an evening and occasionally we, we sleep together, but not often. Ah, yes. I love this so yes. much. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it really, you really have to rearrange your whole, you know, the yes. whole paradigm of pa the things you saw your parents do, the things that, you know, are expected. The totally. beautiful master bedroom. I have two. My, my house has two master bedrooms. Oh, brilliant. I so built the other one. I, you know, I didn't know who would move in with me or mm -hmm. if I would Airbnb it or what. But I, I built another master bedroom. It's a, it's a bedroom suite and I have a bedroom suite. And so it's like, we both have luxury rooms <laughs> and his is his and mine is mine. Mm -hmm. that... And then, and then <clears throat> when we come together, because we haven't neutralized our pheromones. Totally. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I've been looking a lot at human design lately and, um, you know, just the importance of maintaining the energy of your own aura. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he once said he said to me in the beginning, you know, when we first met, he said, by the way, if we have sex you can't sleep over. Oh, and, and I don't sleep over. And I was like, okay, what do I care? You know, I said, fine. Uh, it was, it, to me, it was not an argue, an argue point. Uh -huh. I just said, fine. He said, it doesn't mean I don't want to be with you. I just don't sleep well with another person. Mm -hmm. And I went, that makes perfect sense to me. I don't care. That's fine. So I didn't make an issue about that. That was a boundary. Mm -hmm. And he said something about don't try to have a relationship with me. I'm not good at it. I'm I'm terrible at it. And I went, fine. Why? He said to me, I, I lose myself. I get diluted. So that's a key right there to polarity. He said to me, I get diluted. And I said to him, oh, well, that's never going to happen here. No, no, Instead no. Instead of me trying to talk him out of these things, because a lot of people, that's the first mistake they do. Someone tells you a boundary they have, and then you're going to try and talk them out of it. 
Mm-hmm. And I just, I said, fine, I don't care. I know who I am. What I mean, I'm secure. So I just went, fine, I won't. And then the first time he said to me, I- I'd like to stay over. Uh... I said, I thought you don't stay over. He said, I want to. Mm. And I said, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Well, it's kind of sweet then, right? Yeah. It's like actually yeah. a treat versus yeah. like the thing that you are, the conditioned pattern that you're inside of. So I'll just say to you that, you know, we have a lot of things and we have, it's like a wealth, mm-hmm. you know, I have enough life experience and he has enough life experience that like, we have this wealth of things and there are simple things, but most people, most couples, first of all, we, we should get this education in seventh grade. Instead of geometry and trigonometry and the things we're forced <laughs> to learn, we should learn about relationships and relating to each other we should that's the thing most people desire more than geometry (laughs) i i could not agree more (laughs) can you imagine a world where we are having these conversations without shame exactly i mean oh Exactly. And finding out what it is to have a boundary and what it is to respect that and what it is that it doesn't mean anything to take it personally. So that's the way we started. And and it just mm-hmm. keeps getting better. Wow. And that's what we offer couples and extraordinary lovers, you know. So that's the thing I'm the most hyped up about these days. I love um, that. Yeah. And then we'll be coming out with a book. As soon as I finish my Sex and Having is Over 60 book. Or even during, we'll, we'll, I'm going to be completing like two books around the same time. Amazing. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. Well, is As we um, as we start to wrap up, um, is there yeah. anything else um, that you want to share that's uh, kind of coming down the pike in your business um, and how people should get in touch if they're interested? Yeah. Um, two things. One is, um, first of all, if you're over 50, don't be thinking that you should dry up and that you're going to dry up. Like that's like, no, keep yourself. No, you say it just the way I say it. Um, <laughs> no, definitely not. Don't go there. That is part of the cultural frame to get you off the planet. And um, there are plenty of things. I biohack my life. I'm not going to, that's a whole nother yeah. subject. I'm not going to get into it, but there are many things that you can do to continue to enjoy your body, whether you are with a partner or not, these work. So keep yourself juicy. That's yes. one. So Sex and Happiness Over 60, it only gets better. That's, mm-hmm. I'll say that will be out by the new year. And um, and um, and probably it'll be a self-guided uh, course also on my website. You can go to my website, lauriehandlers.com. And also, if you're wanting to be a sex and happiness coach, I'm starting up a new program of sex and happiness coaching. Uh, apprentice. It's like a, a coaching and facilitation skills. And I'm starting that up October 27th. That'll be the next iteration of my apprentice program. <clears throat> And it's for people who are all pretty much already in coaching. They're already coaches, but they don't know how to put the aspect of sexuality in. Mm. They have no idea about that. They went to coach you or whatever they went to. And they, 
they kind of know this part. Yep. But they, and they might know how to coach very well, but they don't know. Like most of this, the root of people's angst, the trauma, the things that hold people back, the shame, the all of that influences how people will behave. And that is pretty much rooted in their sexuality. That's the portal mm-hmm. in. You don't have to have sex with them, but you might need to know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's starting up. So people can go to lauriehandlers.com and they can find out all this stuff. Okay. And also they can go to my podcast too, which I have yeah. lots of things on my podcast in the archives and then moving forward, which is also called Sex and Happiness. Sex and Happiness is like the wording of my brand. Awesome. Sex and Happiness. Amazing. Oh, Lori, thank you so much um, for your generosity and your just your frankness and your perspective. It is so it is just so refreshing. Thank you. I really appreciate you you being here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I mean, you know, like to me, I can't this is I'm driven to give people the message that they can they can be happy. Yeah, they don't have to suffer. Suffering does not have to be like, I think that pleasure is our birthright. So suffering is the opposite of that. And most of us got that in our DNA and we don't need to be ruled by that. We can actually have happiness. And and part of that is part of discovering that is through discovering pleasure. And that's mm. where sex is the portal. So uh, I you. agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you for having <laughs> me so that your listeners will hear. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.